this is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at gocamp.pro. This Go Camp Pro podcast is sponsored in part by Camp Gig. Camp Gig is more than just a job board. Camp Gig is designed to be the most useful matching and search tool for camps and camp staff. Camps can sign up today to scan and search through Camp Gig's vast selection of candidates. If you've ever wanted an easy button for finding your next great camp staff, then head over to campgig.com and set up your camp's profile today. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Go Camp Pro. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their campers, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability, and to learn along the way. A well thought out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine, and we need to help each other bring our very best. My name is Ruby Compton. I'm the Chief Exploration Officer for Ruby Outdoors in Western North Carolina, and I work to support camp directors in the area and across the world uh, because working in camp is a hard job. And you may notice that today it's just me. Uh, Beth and Gabs are continuing on with their, you know, full-time camp work and (laughs) uh, the things that they do, but we have a really special guest today. So our topic today is training the transition from campers to staff. And I am so excited for our guest today. We have Dan Davis with us, and he's a director here in the Western North Carolina area, but I'm going to let him tell a little bit more about himself. So Dan, go ahead. Excellent. Thanks, Ruby. I'm, uh, as you said, Dan. I've been a camp director for, oh, professionally for the last 25 years. Started in camping back in 83. And where my passion lies now is to watch folks within transition. And uh, particularly this camper to staff transition and how they uh, grapple with the challenges of those transitions, the fun you can have as a mentor and as a director and helping these folks, um, you know, move from somebody who's being served to serve. And so that, and now I'm doing more work working with parents as they transition and folks transition into college. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. And so today's podcast is going to be a little bit more of an interview format than we typically do, uh, but it, there's going to be some juicy, juicy stuff shared. So I hope you all will stick with it and hear some of the cool stuff that Dan has to say. I've been really excited to get to work with him over the last uh, month or so um, as he's been starting some some new projects and he could, because he's been a, a big mentor of mine uh, in a lot of ways in the industry. And um, so I'm just so excited for him to share some expertise with you all today. So we're going to start off with the question, Dan, what challenges have you seen um, that folks experience as they transition from campers to staff? Uh, I think the biggest challenge is we serve our campers. We're so good at camps at serving our campers, making sure their needs are met. Uh, you know, I think that's just in our DNA. Uh, to the way we greet them and the hip hip hooray and how we serve them food, how we tuck them into bed at night and moving from that 
to having to work hard is incredibly difficult. Well, just change in, in general is very, very difficult in life. And I think this is a, the big one, especially in late adolescence, uh, where you're trying to really define yourself and you come to camp and the way things were, they're no longer. Uh, learning how to work a long day, which camp uh, work is a long day. The camp can be draining. Uh, it also demands excellence. Another thing that camps are good at is demanding excellence out of all of our staff. And it is really difficult for a 17, 18 year old to have produced a lot of resiliency and a lot of determination. And so that's, that's the biggest change. The, the, the language that we use is they haven't yet learned that it's not about them anymore. And so they come to camp that they beloved, that have focused on them and suddenly their director tells them, oh, it's not about you anymore. That's really tough news. For sure, for sure. And, and what sort of reactions do you see? Because I'm assuming that's something you are essentially telling the campers that are transitioning to that staff role. What, what reactions do the, those folks give you? Uh, typically, they, the young folks go to whatever has worked for them before. And I think it's important to understand at that point, they aren't creating a new system to try to avoid pain. It's well established. So what we see more than any is that we see whining. Um, this is too hard or uh, when am I going to get my needs met or can I please have my cell phone back to uh, just some anger. And, you know, one of the just a, a funny stories, especially with the 17-year-olds in transition, is they tend to unionize. And so a group of old campers who are frustrated with the amount of work will unionize, I call it, and they'll come to me with a list of complaints. And it's, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to help them grow. And they'll say something like, you know, camp's no longer fun for us. And it gives, you know, the mentor and the director a really good chance to walk with these folks um, as they learn to work. So it's, it's a lot of frustration. Some folks uh, who have not found their voice yet, it can be stressful. It can be anxiety call, causing. This is where it takes really mature leadership to uh, not get too hooked by any of those reactions. They're just the next thing on your list on how you guide this young person. So it's really important to see the, the difficulties when transition is just part of this person's journey and not some kind of crazy thing that's happening. Oh, I, I love that. And, and I'm so glad you addressed that piece because I can imagine a lot of folks who potentially don't have as much experience as you, if they see campers uh, or young staff unionizing, like that is a fear-inducing moment. So where did you learn to, to take that in stride, lean into it, walk alongside them? Ooh, after a whole lot of failure. Um, a whole lot of uh, those millennials. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing you can check in, uh, you know, as you're directing is when you're uh, when you're whining like that, oh, those people, that's a time to take a uh, step back. There's no no good comes from that at all. And so I, I learned that from a lot of failure and a lot of wasting time and a lot of what I think um, we can do as as inexperienced directors. Uh, is we end up shaming the folks we're trying to teach not to be ashamed. 
Mm. And, you know, how dare you not work like that? And so you have to start with what's your goal in mind, and that is to grow these young people so they can be this dynamic workforce for you. I mean, that's the the end all of any director's job is you want to run an outstanding camp. Here are your people that are going to do that for you. And so how do you best, uh, a word that I think is really important is how do we empower these people? You know, as a director, people should walk away from you with more power than they came with. And so that's what kind of helps me have a compass setting because I've done those failing things or those shaming things of, I can't believe you're not working like this. Now I'm able to say, oh, of course, change is hard. And so uh, it, it takes taking a step back and not getting hooked by these folks. Also, of course, having dynamic training and having a, uh, a senior leadership staff that knows the same methodology is huge. But it... Um, you know, that core question of how did I learn it, it came from kind of getting folks to do things by manipulating instead of empowering them. Mm. Oh, so good. Such good nuggets there. Oh, my gosh. My mind is already blown. This is great. Uh, <laughs> um, well, Dan, you've been in the camping industry for a little while. How have you seen the challenges with transitioning campers to staff change over your camp career? Has it changed? Uh, it has, and you have to be really careful here. Um, any of us with, you know, some experience, it's so tempting to the old back in my day, you know, five miles uphill both ways to school. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's funny to laugh at. There's zero truth in it. And so the, the biggest thing I've seen, um, and at least this is true in the young folks that, that I have worked with, is less folks get jobs early. And so it used to be for years, this is certainly true, um, is that we had kids that when they were 14, 15, 16, they were just really eager to get a job and start earning some money. They had to put gas in their car and, you know, they had to get some money to pay for uh, going out on a date or getting clothes they need. I've really watched that change. And so a lot of folks that we're working for, we are their first boss. And we are their first job. And so uh, that's a huge challenge. And so they're learning things for the first time. And so that's why I think besides kind of shifting your training, training to not only being clear, but being gentle um, and kind at first. But uh, that's been a big change. You think about the difference of getting a person who's never had a job before to a young person who's 17 and has worked for Chick-fil-A for the last year. That sure. is such a radical different human being. So I'm always looking for folks who have already had that first job, but also I want to grow my campers into, you know, great whole people. And so we say yes to a lot of folks who have not worked yet. Uh, so I love this idea of approaching it with, with kindness and gentleness. Can you tell me what that looks like maybe in the hiring process or when those folks are first getting to camp for staff training and, and, you know, eyes are wide and they're realizing, wow, this is really different from what I thought it was going to be. Uh, yes. It, it goes back to that notion. Does everybody feel powerful enough to do their job and to find their voice? And so one of the things that uh, we need to be looking for is what is going on in that person's head and heart. And especially when they're coming to camp for the first time or for the first time in a new role. Uh, and, and this is easy to get in touch with because we all feel this. 
you know, we all feel when we're kind of misplaced in what we do in stress. And we're never best when we're stressed. I think everybody coming to camp the first day is probably feeling some degree of uh, stress. And so I think uh, an easy startup is nice. I think um, even though the noise that camp brings to also find some quiet time for folks uh, to be able to navigate. And then on that first day to have senior staff to be able to check in with every staff member. I mean, one-on-one, how are you doing? just to let them know that they're seen, somebody's going to care for them, they can come to you with anything. And also to let them know, listen, you, we want your true self, not your crazy self. And so I think the um, really important about onboarding is to, uh, for in some ways, it not to be drinking from the fire hose and Gosh, that's difficult. They've got so much to learn in such a short period of time, culture and skills and intentionality. But as much as we can see them, the other thing that really helps in that conversation is then, let's say the staff member is Jim. I start to know how Jim ticks and how he works and what inspires him, what empowers him, and what shuts him down. Not only does that put me in a position to mentor him well, it also puts me in a position throughout the summer as evaluations to be able to know, okay, you were in this situation uh, where things got very stressful. Of course you reacted that way. I knew you would. And maybe we can make different choices. Oh, right on. Yeah. And this idea that, man, like camp directors can seem like Jedis if <laughs> they have almost studied their staff enough to be able to anticipate some of the moves that are going to happen and the reactions that are going to happen and almost be a, a step or two ahead of them. That's, that's pro level stuff right there. Uh, well, I agree. And uh, it's also, I, I, you know, maybe this comes from uh, being old in the industry industry, but it's also one of the fascinating things of the job of being able mm. to kind of get to know people well, help them get to know themselves well, Wow, it is just really exciting. You know, for those days as you become a director and the blob's no longer interesting. This <laughs> sure, sure. Kind of human development is. Oh, I love that. That's great. Well, I'm curious to know, Dan, um, with all the intentionality that I've, I've seen you put into programming and your staff and, and your camp community, is there anything that you're doing with campers to start to prepare them for making that transition from campers to staff? Is there anything you're talking about or activities they're doing to, to start to plant that seed? Uh, yes, I, I will say in our program, uh, developmentally, we're trying to make um, each year, some would say more challenging. Uh, in some ways, we're just trying to make it more complex. And so kind of without kind of any kind of lecture or talking to the folks, each uh, year you come back to camp, your cabin assignment is further away from the dining hall. It's uh, further away from the waterfront, kind of the central part of our camp. It's a pretty big property. And so just by that, they have to walk farther to get to what they want. The uh, way we do our council ring program, which is our initiatory program, gets more complex uh, each year. Even uh, the little guys at our camp have bathrooms in the cabins. And uh, once you get 11 or 12, that is no longer the case. So even those simple things get a little more 
complex. The way we teach our, our camp programs are different from uh, 9 and 10, 11, 12, and then 13 through 16. We are really uh, focused on different teachings. W when they get to the 13, 14, 15, that's when we start the some training around the hero's journey. And if you're familiar, that's a whole nother podcast conversation weekend retreat. But the For core sure. to that is just uh, part of life is challenge and that you, you meet it head on, uh, you succeed, you fail, and then here comes the next challenge. And so they start to get a sense, you know, as much as you can get a sense at 14, 15, 16 of, oh, there are going to be some really hard things consistently in my life. And the last thing I would do is uh, run from them. So I call that a prophetic voice. You're going ahead and you're telling these guys what's going to happen. Our 15 and 16 year olds, it's, it's almost a uh, warning. Maybe that is too strong, but it is a, hey, when you come back, if you come back to work as staff, this is going to be a big deal and you're going to have to give your life in a different way and it's going to be hard. And so that first week of camp, you know, most of them are just having a blast. But when things get difficult or complex, at least they have the benefit of they can't say, nobody told me this was going to be like this. They're going to go, of course, it's going to be like this. And that's not going to make it easy, but it's going to make it familiar. And that really, really helps. Uh, the other thing we do is our interviews are fairly challenging and yeah, I think that's the way to do a good interview is to have a really good balance of we're going to see you, you're going to be part of our family, and then also say this family has significant um, challenges and boundaries for you. And it's going to be inspiring work, but it's going to be hard work. Uh, we're fans on during an interview, if a guy is um, clearly he's not showing up like you're going to need him to show up, we'll stop the interview and make a challenge right there. And we'll say, let's use Jim again. Jim, everything that has happened in this interview so far, there's no way you're gonna get this job. Let me tell you why. And it may be something like, you know, you weren't able to look me in the eye, you haven't smiled yet. And you may be stressed, I understand that, but this is a job where you're gonna have to be positive and you're gonna have to be able to look people in the eye. Would you like to start the interview over? And there will be this pause. He's not expecting this. And oftentimes they'll go, yeah, I'd like another chance. And we do the whole thing over. I'll send them outside the room. We'll come back in and we'll have a restart. Number one, if the guy comes back in here, you've got a guy who's willing to learn. This is the kind of guy you want to work with. You know, so, you know, he's passed a huge test there and that you've given him a serious critique. And this guy has said, I'm up to that critique. It's a huge thing. And then we, you know, start the interview again and he has the skills or he doesn't, but boy, does it show a lot. Here's a guy that's going to be able to take a critique. And of course, what we do, as soon as we come back in, the first thing he receives is a blessing, man, this, this kind of energy, Jim, this is going to serve you well the rest of your life. And so I feel that sets him up really well. This guy, if we offer him a contract and he says yes to it, this is the type of person we want to work with. Uh, so cool and so rare, I feel like, in the world that we live in. You know, we live in a world of call out and cancel culture, and it's like you trip up and then suddenly, you know, you're, you're out. That's it. You're done. You're voted off the island. And so how cool 
that you are showing staff that compassion and that teaching. And I think, again, that goes back to that kindness and leaning in and understanding that this may be their first job interview they've ever done. And we have a real opportunity to teach right there. Would you agree with that? I would. You've got time for a quick story that just happened last week? Yes, please. So I was in Mexico and a colleague and I were interviewing staff, these uh, young folks, if you've ever hired folks from abroad, especially who speak a different language or learning a language, just the amount of courage is just staggering. I mean, we just stay inspired. This young man comes in. He is scared to death. His arms crossed tightly across his chest. We're, we're really, we're honestly scared for him, a little bit nervous for him physically that he's not going to breathe during the interview. And, so we interview for a couple of minutes. We realize we don't want to waste this guy's time. He does not have the chops to be a counselor. And so we tell him, hey, let me tell you what's going on. And uh, you're nervous. We, we did a couple of things to help him breathe. And we said, we're not going to hire you for counselor. And uh, it's not going to work out. Here's a list of other camps. We really want you to be successful. This is a good thing you've done. So he leaves. He comes back. And he wants to interview for another job. And so now we're really, this is kind of inspiring us. He wants to interview for a support staff job. And so same thing though, he, uh, it, it doesn't go well. And so we don't hire him and we send him away with blessings. So I think you need a smaller camp. We think you'll be able to find your voice and bless him where we can. So that was that the next day we're interviewing at a fair in Mexico and we look at our queue and this brother is in our line again. Wow. And we're going, oh, my God, this is great. Number one, we're thinking, wow, our Spanish, our translation must be really bad because this guy doesn't know that we said we're not going to hire him. Well, we have one of our um, one of our family members who's Mexican and he you know, we have him talk to him. And so this time we sit down with my colleague and our brother. Um, Agus, who works for us, and I have him translate everything because I want to hear this guy's story in Spanish. And he tells me he went home, he watched the video again, where the place he wants to work, he's calmer, and he's able to get to it. And so now we have this guy, number one, we, we we got a guy that we think is big hearted, we'll give the program, but what kind of resiliency and what kind of beginner's mind and tenacity does this guy have to come back a third time? And so it was a beautiful moment. We had him step back. We just, we talked about it. I talked to a goose who's Mexican and said, listen, we don't want to set this guy up. We want to set him up for success. What do you think? We decided to hire him. And so we had this great moment of him coming back in and having to really bless his courage. And I said, you know, this is going to serve you well the rest of your life. It doesn't always mean you're going to get the job, but you always want to have that courage. And then we announced to him that he was indeed going to get the job. Anyway, it was a beautiful thing. And I think that's the, you know, you mentioned why you don't dismiss anybody, man, our job as camp directors, I think particularly is to be growing people and growing people takes time. It takes patience and it takes a lot of willingness to be honest and meet folks where they are again and again and again, even if they don't work for us. Some of my best, most influential interviews have been with folks that I have not hired, but I have taken the time to care for and try to get them to a place where they can really grow. So that's just, I think one of those, um, unwritten things we commit to by working in the camping industry is we don't come across any people that are throwaway people. 
Hey, Matt, have you ever heard of a good hiring problem? A good hiring problem. Help me out here. Yeah. So uh, I certainly had years that I was interviewing staff at camp and you might interview so many great people and you discover you don't have enough jobs at your camp for all the great applicants. Oh, that is a good hiring problem. Yeah. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of central hub where we could send all those great people who you can't hire so that other camp directors could find them? Oh, it sounds like you're talking about campgig.com. Campgig.com? Yeah, campgig.com. At campgig.com, camp staff can register for a free account. And from there, they can create a detailed profile, including availability, skills, photos, videos, and experience for everything that they're hoping to find in the perfect camp job. Tell camps all about why they should hire you. And from there, you can seek out the camp gig of your dreams. So if you've got that staff member who needs a great camp home, send them to campgig.com. And when they're there, make sure they mention they heard about Camp Gig on the Camp Code podcast. Skill to be able to uh, work with somebody who's struggling and maybe struggling to do a good job and to not overattach. So there's a really key word is to not overattach to any of your staff's journey. It's their journey. They're the ones who are failing. You're not. They're the ones who are struggling. And so you really do have to have a step away from them. And that allows you, since you're not experiencing this pain or this frustration, they are, then you can allow them to go to it. It'd be, it's so tempting to want to just offer another day off or just switch them into something. And some of those are the right moves. But I think the important thing is that you take the time, and that may be a minute, it may be sleeping on it, to figure out what is best for uh, this young man or woman and what lesson is it? What's your big goal a year from now? I mean, I know there's things you have to fix right there in the moment. You got a two week session or whatever your session is. But you also have to think about what am I trying to pour into this person for the long run and you fixing it just doesn't do that. In fact, in some ways, uh, you know, classic word here, we start enabling our staff and, Typically, camp directors are so high energy and so capable that they can make a lot of things happen and they can fix a lot of things. It's just in the long run, um, number one, I think it breaks all kinds of boundaries. Uh, number two, I don't think it's a long-term helping thing. I don't think it's what you want your culture to be is when things get tough, the central staff fixes everything. Uh, so I, I I think it takes a cultural shift to we are all going to, I know one of the ways that we talk about it when we have, you know, whatever our problems are, and by problems, I mean staff who are not doing what they're supposed to do, is we talk about it in a group setting and uh, brainstorm it as best we can. And so anybody who's getting over attached, which there's always somebody who is, you're able to go, ooh, you need to take a step back from that and then okay. walk in with what the best best will solution may be. I'm not sure that answered that question, but. No, I think that's really helpful. And I, part of what I hear you saying out of that is one of the greatest gifts we can give in that moment is, is our presence, right? And that is 
especially uh, a hot commodity during the summer when as camp directors, we have a thousand things on our mind. And when you have a staff member that really what they need is your undivided attention, it may only be for a minute, but it's rare that I feel like we are able to offer that, or I felt that way <laughs> when I was directing. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really what I hear is how do we find that, that presence in the moment? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, you, you said that much uh, in a much wiser way than I did. I think you're spot on there, and it's incredibly difficult. I, you know, it became a laughing thing because camp directors tend to get off on being busy. I know I did for the bulk of my career. Yeah, I am busy, sure. therefore I exist. <laughs> um, and it is, it's a bit of a fool's errand after a while. And the old adage of, hey, Dan, can I talk to you? Sure, walk with me. You can only get my attention if I'm doing three other things. And wow, that's not what they need. And so to be able to, I think the biggest thing is, uh, and this is going to sound weird, I think to be an effective camp director, you've got to find a way to slow down. That has sure. been a mantra for me over the last couple of years. Slow down. You still have the same amount of responsibilities, but how do you slow this down so you can really be with people? So uh, one thing I'm fond of now is, you know, when somebody wants my attention, if I can't give my full attention, I don't do that. And so I will say, yes, I want to speak to you. Can we do it in five minutes? Maybe it's five minutes and go stage left, leave the dining room table. And if you're going to give them two minutes, give them all of your two minutes and be really mindful and conscious of what they're saying. And then, uh, don't give a half effort on it. If you need to think about it, think about it. But once you tell them you're going to think about it, absolutely keep your word and uh, circle back around with them. So, yeah, you have to be really disciplined to be able to give your full attention like that. Yeah, and I found for me, it's also a matter of really getting some work done on the front end, right? In this off season time, really trying to make sure we can take care of some of those things that can be taken care of. There are always gonna be fires to put out, but there might be some other projects you can knock out now to give yourself that presence when they arise in the moment. So um, it's, That's huge. it's challenging. And I will say, yeah, the podcast, Ruby, I think about you and the gifts that you give. I think about uh, Kim. ACOC and the gifts she gives in order to be prepared so you can actually be prepared enough where you're not doing everything on the fly. Trust me, I know all about that. Uh, and you can really be present with folks. The, the preparation is huge. It is. Well, so another word that uh, you've said a few times that I know we've discussed as, as a bit of a buzzword right now, and I'll be transparent in that it's, it is a word that I've been thinking a lot about and, and doing some reflection on in my own life is boundaries. And, um, you know, we also talked about potentially talking about camp director boundaries today, and we've steered the conversation in a different direction, but I would love to hear um, maybe your most recent thoughts on camp directors and boundaries and, um, and how we do that at camp. Uh, that's a great question. And there's a, I guess a sprint masterclass coming up sometime in the spring. Just yeah, about we're going to talk about it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think it starts with uh, taking a hard look at who you want to be in your career. I, I think that's the first step. Who 
um, you hear this word legacy. I, that's that's a word that doesn't grab me as much as who do you want to be. And so once you set your course on, you know, whatever, whatever those terms are going to be, you know, it may be disciplined, it may be courageous, it may be humble. These are the gifts I'm going to give. Then you've got to um, build kind of your life's culture around that. And the boundaries are so the folks that get your attention absolutely get it. And then you have to be okay with not being everything to everyone. And that is, I think that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. is when a camp director or any of us in our lives are trying to be all thanks to all people. Uh, I'm fond of this word. It's a fool's errand. It does not work. And you just uh, end up getting wired and tired. And at that point, you really, I, I think in some ways, and I think we all feel it during the summer. Uh, you know, for me in our organization, we have four different sessions. And there was a term for uh, C-session Dan. Because I was, man, was I wired, and it was tiptoe <laughs> around me. <laughs> and finally, once we got that, you know, I learned that my senior staff would know that, and they'd call me out on it. Whoa, Dan, come on, buddy. Um, I think you want to be given different gifts than that. And so there were some of my boundaries. Uh, you know, I have, uh, we have people in our organization that we hold each other accountable. You know, particularly with the senior staff. You know, we know each other well. We, you know, we do whatever kind of uh, personality traits, uh, whether it's the Enneagram or whatever they happen to be, there's so many of those. We know that about each other. And so we can have some insight where we see folks getting stressed and we try to move them into their best self. So there's one thing to be able to have a culture where you have some partnerships where folks are going to hold you accountable. That helps you with your boundaries because most, maybe that's too strong. A lot of the time when we're breaking boundaries, it's not a plan. We're unconscious about it. It's, um, you know, it's a blind spot for us. We're just on autopilot. So the first thing with boundaries is you have to set them and then you have to have practices in your day. And I mean, for a camp director every single day, that's going to support those boundaries that, uh, I'm a morning guy. Um, but I don't think it has to be mornings where you wake up and you go, okay, I understand what my boundaries are. I understand what gifts I'm going to give today. And for us camp directors, there are going to be four thousand. There are going to be four dozen things that I have not expected today. That is not going to change my boundaries or the gifts I'm going to give. So I think you have to be proactive. I think you have to um, make lists and have a few things that you commit to, and you keep those commitments. And we're I'm going to be a little bit redundant going back to a lot of that work is not getting over attached to things, um, not getting over attached okay. to people, or the program has to be perfect those over attachments to things will just kill all your boundaries because then you're just serving your attachments. I may have gone way left field on that Ruby. No, that's, but I hope that serves. That, that is brilliant. And I, I think about your use of the word over attachment. I wish that that idea had been planted for me as I was starting out in camp. I knew the word overstimulation <laughs> was coming up yeah. through the ranks, but I, I wish that this is something that had been talked about more. And I'm appreciative that it does seem to be a conversation that's happening more. And as Dan mentioned, uh, we, he is putting together a camp director boundary course that's going to be running for a few days in March. So if that's something that's interesting to you, you can check out gocamp.pro slash masterclasses and keep an eye out for the registration there. We'll have more info coming soon. Um, We're really diving into how we can 
blend this camp lifestyle that we live and also holding on to those boundaries and preserving us, who we are, and the, the gifts, as you say, that we want to give to the world and the values we want to center around. So I'm so excited about that course. <laughs> I'm just really thrilled about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I am too. There's been, and this, this may help, there's been kind of a mantra we work on and what have for the last several years. And I think it really helps with the boundaries is take it seriously, hold it loosely. And mm. it has that great mm -hmm. balance of excellence is absolutely. I mean, if, you know, I know with any of our camps and certainly for our training, how we do things is that, you know, we say this, we're not a whatever camp. We're trying to do things in a particular way. And so it's really important how we do things and hold it loosely. Or you're going to, you're just going to get walloped with so being smart. just way over attached. Yeah, so smart. So smart. I love that. I I have several things written down that I'm like, these are, are going on my wall <laughs> that you've said today. So I appreciate that a lot. Well, speaking about that excellence, um, I'm curious, we're going to kind of segue back into that idea of transitioning your campers to staff. Are there any, uh, maybe like your top three critical habits or tactics for when you are bringing campers who are making that transition to staff, uh, when you're helping them make that transition, are there two or three things that you just feel like you always do or always say or are always helping them with? Um, yes. Uh, I'll say the, the first thing is that we uh, always try to be honest with them. And so we don't just say it's going to be the best job in the world. We tell them what the job is. And so we're very, very clear with, uh, you know, the job is going to be demanding. And so we're really clear on that. Uh, another thing that we try to do, by the way, try to do on any of these, you can insert that we fail as much as we succeed, uh, is we try to have really honest evals and that we're, try to be really good at the not only the blessing voice but the critical voice and so that and it goes right back to honest and so the staff you know we have the saying with our staff is you're always going to know where you stand with the directors because we're not going to hold anything back from you and so we try to be really free with the uh, great job i see it and let me tell you exactly why that's good you know just pulling away 30 seconds but we're looking them right in the eye and then the other challenging thing is to be able to have that critical voice, which is just as helpful. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing in a different way. But to be able to pull aside, we're using Jim today and say, Jim, uh, that is not it. That is not what we've trained you to do, the way you treated that camper or dismissed him or was sarcastic with him. Um, that behavior needs to change. And without spending the time of having to go back and write something down and all right, well, I guess I better have to say something positive than I have to say something crit, you know, the whole Oreo approach um, to be able to work, just being honest. And he learns to trust that it's a huge part of who we are. And I will say after training our senior staff, you know, who are just unbelievable um, young adults, it's something that in a morning meeting, I'll demand most days. All right, before lunch, I want you to have blessed two of your staff and I want you to find your critical voice with two of your staff. And they have to be reminded of that because it's just so hard to engage your peers or anyone because you're worried about your own ego. And so now once I get practice with it, again, this is one of those things, I don't think it ever gets easy, 
um, but it, it gets familiar. Mm. And the last, the, and then that's the goal. People, they, they, I'll say that over and over again because people think, oh, well, once I'll have it, it'll be easy. I've never found camp directing easy. I've never found saying hard things to be easy, but I have found them very familiar and it's part of who we are in our culture. And we say them because we know it changes things. We say them because we know it's, um, you know, it's going to be meaningful and powerful. And so you know, folks think that's, that's one of the things that go back again to the hero's journey. It teaches you as soon as you summit that, um, you know, that great culmination of the quest. Okay, here comes the next challenge. And so that kind of honesty really helps folks. The other thing with the honesty is uh, folks trust, honest, you know, you get that. Trust and honesty, those are, you know, uh, those are brothers or sisters or however you want to look at it, but that's really important. Folks start to trust you. And then uh, I will say as far as the 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 third thing is that sense of kindness, humor, um, to be able to uh, be looking at things with a whole lot of kindness. And, uh, you know, here we are, I mean, the camp I run, we're doing a lot of masculine energy and we're trying to help guys be wild and know what to do with their wildness and without kindness is absolutely as a fail. So those would be uh, three things. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing those because I think that there's a lot of wisdom in all three of those. I, I have one more question for you, which is, you know, it's clear that you have had guidance and mentoring and a, a willingness to hear different ideas and, and look at the way you're doing things uh, and consider if, if it is what is best serving the population you're working with. Where have you found inspiration and learning around your staff training techniques? What resources do you utilize? Um, great question. I will say ACA has been super instrumental for me. I'm uh, inspired every time I go. And so, uh, you know, particularly people, some particular folks that if you're looking for and they have books to support uh, Ruby, you're one. I've shared that with you before. I'm always inspired by the way you bring yourself. Uh, Kim Acock is somebody who has inspired me my whole career. Uh, Michael Thompson is one. And I will say, and it's not his words. In fact, he may hear this um, and think I've never heard him speak, but as far as the, some of what he has trained has really helped me with the holding, you know, making room for folks and allowing them to grow. Uh, Michael Brandwine, that crazy trainer, has been inspirational for me as well. And then some uh, other, as far as techniques of being able to step back and look at things, um, Brene Brown. Uh, I don't know if you've read her stuff. I think it's brilliant. She has oh, yeah. several books and talks. <laughs> For sure. uh, just, uh, I look at so many of my trainings and points. I haven't used a lot of those points today, but I think it influences me uh, a whole lot. And I think all of those folks um, have helped me to take a pause and consider how I do things. Um, so that, that, that's all of those. I mean, there have been technique trainings. A lot of that has been ideological for me, too. Cool. 
Great. Well, is there anything else you want to to bring up in our conversation today? Um, there's been so much good wisdom shared today. I'm, I'm really appreciative of you joining our podcast today. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's always a pleasure to speak with you and to think about this. I would think, I, I think it's a good exercise is to go and uh, especially as we're kind of preparing for the summer, is to think back on our own transitional stories and where we had big challenges, where there was a big transformational moment and go ahead and think about, all right, what was the fear that we thought? And how did that fear come out? Did it come out in whining or anger? And who were the people? What was the things that really made a difference? Was it that somebody gave us 30 minutes to just sit? Was it a person invited us to sit at the table with them? Was it I was given more responsibility? And so to, I think it's really important to know your own story. Uh, it gives you a really good reference point, And typically it's humbling. You know, I think all of us know it wasn't because we're the hardest worker, the smartest person that we got to where we were. We needed a lot of help. That's a real humbling reminder to me as folks are transitioning and I may or may not be uh, getting hooked. And so I, I think really looking at our own story and not being the single reference point, but being something that draws us to some understanding and some compassion. Fantastic. Well, we'll let you know how you can get in touch with Dan here in just a moment, but I uh, wanted to remind you that we appreciate you listening to our podcast and that if you want to get involved with our podcast, join the discussion. You can use the hashtag camp code on social media. Let us know what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests you'd recommend that we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you have to share. We'd love to hear from you. We are all about sharing in this industry. It's one of the reasons that I love it so much. And we also ask that if you have found this podcast to be useful, to please leave a rating and review for us in iTunes uh, or your podcast app of choice. And you can do an iTunes review by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, or you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash love. That's all one word. And your feedback really helps keep the show going and helps spread the word about the show. And I want to give a shout out today to MLE19 for her review. We appreciate you taking the time to do that. So again, a big, big thank you to Dan Davis for joining us today. Dan, will you share with our listeners where they can get in touch with you or find out more about what you do? Yes. Uh, the best way to contact me these days is simple. Dan at rockmont.com. Uh, also, I'll be at the, if any of you are at the ACA conference, uh, I will be there. I would love to talk with anybody if they want to talk about this and I'll be uh, doing a content on um, mentoring, developing a mentoring mindset at your camp. Uh, one of those days at the conference in San Diego. So those are the places to get me. Beautiful. Well, again, thank you. Thank you so much. And again, my name is Ruby and you can reach me at Ruby at RubyOutdoors.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Ruby Outdoors or on Twitter at RubyLynn85. Next week we'll be, or for our next podcast, we'll be getting back on our training schedule and we'll be doing an episode about culture shock and training international staff. So we look forward to sharing some insights there. And as always, our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. Please feel free to tell us those using that hashtag camp code to get a shout out on the show. And today I've actually asked Dan to share a best practice. So Dan, what do you have for us today? 
Uh, two, I never miss the opportunity to talk about the old school, probably already knows it, the slant, the sit up. We use it all the time. Folks tend to kind of get down in their body and go asleep. You can watch it happen. And it's such a friendly way to have folks kind of sit up, smile, and take a deep breath. Everybody knows it changes your brain chemistry. The other gift we give is we try to start every single training with a question to be answered. So it, it helps the trainer, number one. We're trying to do this central thing that we're talking about for this 20 minutes or 30 minutes and also for the trainee that there's absolutely an expectation that at the end of this session they have answered this question and if not somebody's let somebody down and so there's a sense of accountability and responsibility sharing that i think all good trainings have that there's a partnership that happens so it starts with a question to answer and it's not some secret mystery thing it's really really clear Oh, so good. So good. Thank you so much, Dan, for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some of your wisdom and really looking forward to uh, all the mentoring that is to come from you uh, as we go forward and, and to see hopefully another great successful summer at your camp as well. Ruby, thanks. What a pleasure. All right. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned for our next episode. And from all of us here at Camp Code, thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker. Bringing your world into focus.